listening to Cinema Jaw, the greatest movies podcast ever, recorded on location from our respective homes in Chicago. My name is Matt Kay, and with me is Rye the Movie Guy. And this week on Cinema Jaw, there is a break-in, a home invasion. It's scary, dude. Have Has that ever happened to you? I mean, obviously, I don't think like masked killers have stalked no. you around, but have you ever been broken into? When, when I was a kid, our house did get broken into, and there was a, you know, petty theft nothing on large scale like we see in the movies no thankfully yeah same it was it was like teenage uh friends not of mine of my older brother who uh who came in had a raucous party while we were on vacation and some things were damaged and other things were missing but it was pretty minor yeah grand scheme well this week jawheads we are covering our top five favorite home invasion movies you know surprisingly difficult for me ryan you would think being a bit of a horror fan over the years, I would have many of these on my list and there's certainly no shortage of them, but I, I haven't seen a whole hell of a lot, but I feel like I have five of the key entries into the genre on my list. I'm interested. You've piqued my interest. Hopefully you have piqued the interest of the Jawheads. Top five home invasion movies. No Phil this week. Phil yes. is off. But besides that, we do have a lot more going on. We have a uh, New theme this month, which we will announce very shortly. What else we got going on, Matt? Got two reviews, Knock at the Cabin and You People, the new Eddie Murphy, Jonah Hill joint. Right. That one is on Netflix, Knock at the Cabin in theaters, and that's the tie-in with Home Invasion. People probably have seen the commercial or the trailer. Some intruders come into a cabin. Right. That's the premise. The new M. Night Shyamalan, we should mention. It is. Matt, no guest this week. You are playing Stump the Kabinsky in honor of you people. It will be Jonah Hill movie trivia. I'm probably going to lose, even though it's just me against me. Probably. I mean, before, with an attitude like that, almost certainly. Before, before we announce the new theme for February, it's February yeah. already, Matt. Wow. Did January blow out of here rather quickly? It, thank you. I'm, I'm not a big fan of January, so. No. Let's get through February, and then we can start talking a little bit nicer weather, especially here in Chicago. Last week, we were off, Jawheads. You probably saw you went to your podcast feed, and there was no new Cinema Jaw. That was not the intention. We, we did not schedule a week off. but uh, Which we well, should do just... from time to time, you know? <laughs> right. But let's just say it was the second time now in the history of Cinema Jaw that a Cinema Jaw was recorded but will not be released. Is it only the second time? Right. First time was, what was that guy's name? <laughs> TJ. He was our intern, TJ. Fat Hands yeah. TJ, I called him. I'm sure he's not listening. And uh, he botched one he of the recordings. He listens every week. He writes me to this day. And <laughs> I'm sure. I'm he sure. He was, he was just an intern for us. He was recording, and it uh, did not turn out uh, the way it was supposed to. And we had to just not Right, right. It. Well, so basically what, what happened, uh, and the, the guests were, were people who I was very uh big fans of too it was the guys from hello from the magic tavern right and they were in studio and it was arnie and uh was it just arnie anyway it doesn't matter the point is like he was recording from his laptop mic not our microphones that are in front of our faces right. so like you could you could hear people talking but you couldn't make it out it's like we cannot put this out as an episode but how embarrassing was that now that was this rough. situation <laughs> is a little different, Ryan, this situation that uh, this week, because I knew right from when we hit record, we were never going to put that episode out. 
Well, okay, so it's twofold here, Jawheads. We did want to mention that last week, Thursday, we're going to do a remote, a brand new movie theater opened up here in Chicago. A lot of people are probably familiar with this around the country. It is the Alamo Draft House. Started off in Austin, Texas. They now have something like 26 or 28 locations. Chicago, Wrigleyville, right across from Wrigley Field is the newest location for Alamo Draft House. And they invited us out and basically the film community. It was, to be honest, when we walked into the party, it was a who's who of past cinema jaw guests, right? It was, there had to no be about 20, 20 people that, are, that have been on the podcast. Wow. And it, okay, it was open bar. So yeah. me and Matt so are going to partake those are, through. Those are two words you don't want to put in front of cinema jaw. Okay. Right. And I, I was under the impression it was going to be open bar from five to seven, which is what time they were starting these movies. And then included a tour of the theater. So I thought we'll probably have two beers and then we'll hit record. Well, lo and behold, it ended up being open bar from like five to like midnight. I don't know what time we got out of there. It probably kept going to one, I believe. It, it was it was a scene, Jawheads. And then that wasn't the only reason why we did not uh, release the episode. Yes, we, we were overserved, but they had promised us a quiet area to record the podcast. And the bar, there's a bar inside this movie theater called the Vortex Video Bar. Video it, store, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a video store and it's a bar. But It's you pretty cool. It, re it oh, really yeah. is. You can rent movies at this bar uh, for free. As long as you give them a credit card, you can rent three DVDs at a time. And they told us they have 11,000 titles to rent. So imagine a bar inside an old school video store. It was pretty right. neat. Right. It was. And in fact, if you don't have, I believe they do VHS and Blu-ray too. And if you don't have a player for one of those formats, well, they'll rent you the player too. That's right. right. That's pretty cool. They're thinking of everything over at the Alamo Draft House. So the second part of this, the reason why the episode isn't going to come out, the music was just too darn loud. It, it, the bar was too loud. Thumping, and yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a party scene. And they said, well, we can get you over here into the corner and we'll try to lower the music a little bit. It just wasn't cutting it. So now we're yelling think they into tried, the microphone. To be honest. We're yelling into the microphones. We're about seven beers in each. And it, when we got done with the audio, we just said, this, this is useless. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because the conversation was quite lively. We were, we were both having, uh, we were both on high, in high spirits, let's say. I hadn't eaten dinner. Again, I was not expecting this kind of scene because oftentimes I'll go straight from work to a movie screening or an event. And I, I had no idea what I was walking into. It was... Uh, it was a rough day the, the following day. It sure was. Great time, though, was had as far as the party went. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get the uh, podcast to our liking so that we could release it. It is in question to possibly release this to our Patreons. We should get some clips maybe, of it. Yeah, right. Something. Maybe some clips and maybe for our Patreons just to hear what it sounds like when Matt and Rai are at a bar for five hours of open bar. Before they hit record. <laughs> yes. That was a little too much, but to our friends over at the Alamo draft house, we will give them a plug here. They have opened up in Wrigleyville. The address is 3519. It's literally right across the street from Wrigley field parking with validation is only $10 for the city of Chicago. And in that area, 
that's not a bad deal at all. That's so, nuts. I wonder if that's going to be the case during Cubs games. There's a lot of question marks as to how they're going to handle Cubs games, but I wish them the best of luck. Yes, we had a blast out there. Everything smelled so new. That's what I commented on, right? They're giving us the tour. Everything was brand new. It, it was great. It did look really cool. And I, I know that that's a, a sort of a retrofitted Alamo draft house, but they did a great job with the decor. Really cool. They sure did. They sure did. So best of luck to the Alamo draft house. I'm sure we'll be out there at a screening somewhere down the road. again. Gosh, I can't wait. Yeah, that'll be fun. Get a burger table service. You're going to hate it, Ryan. Mm. It is February and we have a new theme looking at the landscape of what was coming out this month. We landed on Ant-Man and the Wasp. What's the full title? Something of quantum physics. Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania. Quantum mania. There we go. Actually looks pretty cool. I'm an Ant-Man fan as far as uh, the, the Marvel characters go. This is one of my guys that I can cheer for, like my Paul Rudd. So I was excited for this one. We looked at the cast and we realized we have never celebrated Michelle Pfeiffer, Matt. So February 2023 is Michelle Pfeiffer month here on Cinema Jaw. What, what a blind spot, Ryan. It's, a, it's about time we plug this leak. Now we got Michelle Pfeiffer. Why don't we kick things off correctly? with a Michelle Pfeiffer fact. I'll bet you you never thought we'd bring you an Australian professional cricket fact, but here we are, Rye. One weird fact about Michelle Pfeiffer is that her name has inspired a cricket term. When cricket players in Australia take all five wickets, I don't even know what that means, in an inning, they refer to it as getting a Michelle. Originally, they called it a 5-4, 5 F-O-R, 5-4. This sounded a lot like Pfeiffer and thus became a Michelle. Interesting. Yeah. So, so Michelle Pfeiffer is known in the cricket scene. Who the hell knew this? <laughs> That's a weird fact, isn't it? it I is. love that one. A we, Pfeiffer. We should, a Pfeiffer. We, we got to go over and, and list all the different actors and actresses who have appeared in both MCU and DC movies in, in the films. Because Michelle Pfeiffer... Ah, yes. Catwoman, of course. Was Catwoman. And then now is, you know, in the MCU and the Ant-Man series. Hmm. That's one of them. But there's there's multiple. Are there? Can you name can you name three more? Oh, well, you got Ryan Reynolds. Okay, sure. Green Lantern. I'm I'm sure he's trying to forget that. You have Christian Bale. Yes. Man and just played the bad. Gore, the God Butcher. Gore. Yeah. And uh, heck, I'm sure if I thought about it, I could come up with another one. But they're 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 out there. I mean, dude, you did pretty well. That's probably better than I would have done. Well, of course, it's better than what you would have done, Matt. There you go. I mean, it's just it's just about recall. You're just you're just quick with it. Top five favorite home invasion movies because of Knock at the Cabin, which I must say I just came out of, Matt. So this is a hot take review. Can you believe this too? I was looking at the 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 math here. It's been 24 years since M. Night Shyamalan gave us the sixth sense. Wow. And from that time forward, he has been known as the writer director who can still surprise his audience. The surprise here might just be the reminder that Harry Potter actor Rupert Grint is still alive and working. In all seriousness, I still look forward to an M. Night Shyamalan film. His movies still feel like an event, and that's what I like so much. So I headed to an isolated theater in the woods to check out his latest film, Knock at the Cabin. 
Are we gonna sing along? Yes, I think, of I course. Think we're gonna go I wanna put on my 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 boogie shoes. Yeah, boogie yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wanna put on. Leonard. It's nice to meet you, Will. Why are you here? I suppose I'm here to make friends with you. And your dad's too. But my heart is broken. Why is it broken? Because of what I have to do today. The synopsis to Knock at the Cabin reads like this. While vacationing at a remote cabin in the woods, a young girl and her parents are taken hostage by four armed strangers who demand they make an unthinkable choice to avert the apocalypse. Confused, scared, and with limited access to the outside world, the family must decide what they believe before all is lost. You've seen the commercial and you've seen the trailer. So you get the premise for the film. I just want to know, since you didn't get a chance to go to the screening, was mm -hmm. the premise enough to draw you in? Would you say when you see the trailer, yes, I want to see what's going on in this movie? Yeah, because it's not just the premise. If this was the premise and it was like just a no-name director, I don't know. With 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 a bunch of cast of nobodies, don't I, I don't know. But the fact that it's M. Night Shyamalan, it's Dave Batista, Rupert Grint, those two alone. Yeah, the premise is weird enough to, to pique my interest. I told the premise to Heather and she's like, Jesus, that's dark. I wanted to ask that question because having seen the film, I think the shock here, and we were going to do a whole bit if, if this was a, a twist or a reveal after we've argued it on the, right. every night's last movie old. But the shock here is that there really is no twist or reveal in the but movie. That is the twist, Ryan. But that is the twist, right? Or that is the reveal. But joking aside, M. Night has always done some type of twist, some type of reveal at the end of his films that are in a lot of ways shocking. I think this one is going to be shocking to a lot of people that the twist doesn't appear. And this isn't, I'm not making a joke in the sense that it was that a, a spoiler. I should you really say that? But the, the premise that we see presented in the movie really is it's just played straight. It, it's played straight. And that, that's really the hook to get you in. That's why I asked you, would that be enough? I think your answer is that you're expecting more because it's an M night movie. No, but you would probably still go see it just on the idea of this premise. I would because the premise isn't answered. You told me before we started recording. Uh, and this is not a spoiler. It's left open-ended enough where people can make up their own minds about what just happened. Or so right. you've said. That is a twist in and of itself. Yeah, no, I'm curious, man. Anytime M. Night takes a swing, 
he had a long string of misses, but lately, I would say his last three, he's kind of returned to form. Really since, what was that, The Visit? The Visit really did bring him back, yes. Yeah, and and since then, he's kind of stayed in his lane. He's making like pretty low-budget, straight, straightforward M. Night Shyamalan movies. Sometimes there's a really good twist. I really liked Old. I think like Old sort of kind of really brought him back almost to the limelight. Approaching Sixth Sense level again. Seems like he's taking another bigger swing. Like having Dave Batista in it, after the, by the way, he is this guy not having a great. Well, that's where I wanted to start with my review was how great Dave Batista is in here. This right. is by far his best performance. And really, it, even it's, outside it's, of Knives Out or uh, Glass Onion. Yes. But I mean, right up there, uh, I would say better. But I mean, wow, what a one two punch because he's starting to show some range and he's very serious here. And there's, there's this strange way of looking at him. He looks so big, like he's busting out of his clothes because it's just arms and his, his chest is just so damn built that the, the shirt just looks too small on him, no matter what shirt was going to be on him. And yet he's such a soft and gentle character. That contrast really is strange to watch in the film. I enjoyed it, but his character is wonderful and is really the highlight as far as the acting goes in this movie. It's the Dave Batista show here, and I enjoyed it. So that was Excellent. The premise that these people come out of the woods and invade this family's cabin and then tell them you have to sacrifice one of your family members or else the world is going to not exist anymore. Basically, the apocalypse is coming. It keeps upping the stakes as the movie goes on. Some people may find it more tense than I found it to be. This is my take coming out of the film. I was involved and I was engaged enough to where I would give this a slight recommend, but this was not for me. I enjoyed old more Mm -hmm. Um, speaking of M night, as far as being engaged more in the story to coming out of it. I just haven't had enough time to quite process exactly what the story was actually trying to say. Um, And you left before the after credit scene. I definitely did. Yeah, when he, we were, that's that's where the twist was, right? <laughs> no, it, it really wasn't. But I did leave before seeing if there was anything at the end of the credits because we were doing the podcast tonight. Overall, slight recommend, but he's done better. This is not a uh, top tier M. Night, but this is not a, a complete misfire either. Better than The Visit or kind of in that, in that range? He, he's definitely, I would say, condensed his movies and his stories. And I think that's helped him a lot, right? Even old for the most part, yes, there's more locations in old, but the bulk of the movie is out on that beach. It's kind of like a one location. The visit was more or less a one location with the grandparents. This is 100% a one location movie. It's all in the cabin. There are some flashbacks throughout the movie that sort of, you, you get to know the, the family members and how they adopted their daughter. It's two dads in this film and how they adopted their daughter and sort of where the, what the characters have been through to lead them to that point. But for the most part, 90% of the movie takes place in, in one location. I think these constraints on M. Night Shyamalan, and I think we said this when we reviewed Old, I think help him as a storyteller. I think when he was getting more money thrown at him to make bigger budgeted films is when things kind of went a little went off the rails. Yeah. yeah, we're looking at you, Avatar, The Last Airbender. Right. And uh, what was the other one? After Earth with Will Smith. So that's when he starts to go a little haywire. I think if he can keep it into one location, keep it small 
and have a very, you know, kind of thought provoking twist or uh, something lurking to keep everybody who knows M. Knight's track record, all those people will be invested in seeing what he's trying to do here. That's going to always draw the audience in. So it worked for me, just not as much as old. Well, I've been rooting for him, man. I've been rooting for him and I'm happy to see him at least on track. So would you say there was a jaw dropping moment here? I would say it is the, what I would call the first sacrifice. And you would think that that is giving something major away. It's not completely. There's a a sacrifice made here in the movie. And I think that's the first time you realize like, oh, okay, the stakes are just going to keep getting upped and upped and upped until we get to, you know, a boiling point. So that would be the jaw dropping moment when all of a sudden you realize like, yes, things are going to escalate quickly here. I forgot to ask you how Rupert Grint was in this, because I can you see anybody but Ron Weasley when you look uh, at this guy? He has worked with M. Knight on his television show Servant, which I have not seen. It's an Apple TV show. So I knew he was still working a little bit. This is the first thing I myself have seen him in since the Harry Potter movies. And I wish I had something better to say. Well, I'll just leave it there. I wish I had something better to say about Rupert Grint. <laughs> That's a shame. I mean, Daniel Radcliffe has really carved out a career for himself. I mean, with the Weird Al movie and everything. All right. How many jaws are you giving this thing, Ryan? Two and a half jaws. Two and a half jaws. Probably two and a quarter, actually, if I dusted off the quarter jaws, right in that range. And M. Knight does like to insert himself into the movies every once in a while. Sometimes well, yeah, he was, every time. Yeah. Sometimes it was a bigger role. Lately, he, he's got it down to just cameos. Great cameo in here. Actually, he had a laugh in the movie. So. Well done, M. Night. Nice, nice. All right. Well, I'm, it's on my list to see. Now you've intrigued me. Well, there was a break-in, yeah. a home invasion, if you will, Matt. And that is our topic this week. Your number five pick. What do you got, buddy? We should, we should open the show with like, we invade your ears every week or something like that. My number five comes from 2016, a little low-budget horror movie that came out of nowhere, had a very unknown cast for the most part and an interesting premise that worked and it hit and was largely well received i'm talking about don't breathe nice yes a team of uh young ne'er-do-wells decide to rob a veteran who is blind and lives alone in this big house because they've heard he has a bunch of cash somewhere in his home 300 grand or something like that so they break in and quickly the situation flips because this guy is psycho and he might be blind, but he is certainly still a dangerous person. And he uses his hearing and the fact that when the lights are out, his his uh, would-be home invaders can't see, but he's very, very used to that, to stalk them down and, and kill them one by one. And when you come to find out exactly what this man has been up to in this house all alone that was shocking that was a bit of an m night moment that's a twist <laughs> they made a sequel to this where he's kind of a hero and i haven't seen it i don't know how that works after everything that went on in his basement but i kind of really want to catch up with that one because i enjoyed my time in the don't breathe world yes don't breathe was a surprise hit Big fans here on Cinema Jaw. My number five pick, Matt, is a, a 1990s trashy thriller. Don't you love those? Oh, yeah. 
This one came out in 1992, going way back, 92. It has an all-star cast of Ray Liotta, Kurt Russell, and Madeline Stowe, and it is entitled Unlawful Entry. Are you familiar with this movie, Matt? Give me, no, give me the plot. <laughs> give me the synopsis. Home Invasion movies called Unlawful Entry. Ray Liotta plays a cop who becomes obsessed with this couple played by Kurt Russell and Matt Metal and Stowe. Oh, I think I have seen this. And I believe it's like a burglar in the beginning and they call the police. Kurt Russell ends up, I mean, I'm sorry, Ray Liotta ends up really obsessing with this couple and uh, says that he will put in a security system for the couple. And then Ray Liotta being the cop becomes really the, the villain here because he ends up breaking into the couple's house. At one point, he turns off the security system that he installed and he breaks into the house to watch the couple have sex. This is the kind of 90s trash that we used to love. Remember, Matt Kay? And so it was just a creepy oh, character. I still love it. And then things escalate more. Kurt Russell starts to realize that this guy's up to no good. And he starts to try to sabotage Kurt Russell's businesses. Again, he breaks into the house and like plants drugs in the house. It was one of the early, you know, the cop is the, the villain kind of movies that I think we would go on to see more and more of. But Ray Liotta played that character so perfectly. I miss the guy. Yeah, gone too soon. I miss him as well. Unlawful Entry, 1992. I'm sure you can find it streaming like on a, on a Tubi or free on Netflix or Amazon. Worth a spin if you're looking for some classic Kurt Russell. I am going to a movie that I don't like, but I cannot deny that at the time I saw it, it was incredibly effective. And I saw it way after the point. We were already doing Cinema Jaw. I must have seen it about 10 years after it came out. Funny Games. So glad this came up. I still have not seen Funny Games. So I'm talking about the 2007, which is, I believe it's Dutch, right? I, I saw a dubbed version. It was just overdubbed. Yeah. So to go over this, because I, I doing the research, I was, again, reminded that I have not seen the movie Funny Games. So to go over this, uh, this is by uh, Henneke the director, and he ended up making two versions. He did the original version, and then something like 10 years later, he did a shot-for-shot shot remake, like the same thing they did with Psycho, mm -hmm. but they did an English version. Yes, with uh, Naomi, Naomi Watts, Watts and Tim Roth. It was. It was Tim Roth and Naomi Watts. That's what made me watch the original, because I think I missed the screening of... I don't remember, man, what, what exactly happened, but like... At that time, in 2017, everybody was talking about Funny Games, the original. I can't remember if it was on Netflix or Amazon Prime or, or what, but I, maybe I rented it. And it, it's twisted. It's really twisted because I think at the end of the movie, what it makes you feel about yourself, and, and this is attempted in many, many movies, but there's this wink and a nod at the camera that just acknowledges your existence because it's, it's a really, it's, a, it's about sadism and voyeurism and the in the worst possible way there's no motive there's no redemption there's no arc it's just about a heinous crime and it's brutal it's a brutal brutal movie but because of the psychological twist in the end i think it's it's worth it it's kind of really really scary i think i don't watch a lot of home invasion movies because I'm kind of afraid of that. I don't know. 
That's one of my fears. I don't, I don't go in for him too much. And this one messed me up. I wrote that one again down in my journal. I got to check it out. Funny games. Glad Funny it games is good. Yeah. Check it. Let me know what you think after you watch it. You know what you should do? You, you taught me this years ago. Rye the movie guy said to me that when he watches horror movies, he unlocks all of his doors. Not on home invasion. That's almost a little too intense. <laughs> you should do it, though. Home invasion movies. Keep them locked. My number four pick came out in 2015. It is entitled The Gift. And this oh, stars yeah. Jason Bateman, Joel mm-hmm. Edgerton, and Rebecca Hall. And in the film, Jason Bateman and Rebecca Hall are a couple who bump into Joel Edgerton's character, Gordo, who was friends, or I should say, at least went to grade school with Jason Bateman's character. So they'd known each other when they were little kids. Now they're grownups. And they're back in the, the neighborhood. Uh, friendship seems to like maybe blossom because we don't know the exact backstory between these two. Clearly, there was something that happened between Bateman's character and Joel Edgerton's character. Well, it turns out that at one point, the couple's dog goes missing and Rebecca Hall is home and she thinks that she hears someone in their place. And it turns out it's Joel Edgerton coming into the house and more than likely kidnapping the dog at one point. The best home invasion scene, though, is at the end of the film. And I'm not going to spoil it because it's got a nice twist, actually, in this one as well. We get a, a scene where there is a video shown of Rebecca Hall passed out after taking some uh, drugs and Joel Edgerton's character is standing over her. And this video is shown to Jason Bateman and it implies a lot of things and lets the mind kind of go crazy. The imagination of how dark and twisted is this guy? Great ending to this movie and a sinister character by both Bateman and Joel Edgerton, because the the twist in there is that, uh, you know, not everybody's Mr. Nice guy. Yeah. Wasn't there a weird sequel to this one as well? No, not that I know of. Okay. But the the gift. The gift is one I've I've like sat down and started and never finished, but I really have to. It's a good one. Uh, this next one, though, I'm sure everyone has seen multiple times, but it needs to be said on this list. The 2002 Jodie Foster vehicle by David Fincher, of course, Panic Room, Forrest Whitaker. This movie gave us Jared Leto. I would throw this in the fish tank if <laughs> Phil were on this week. Was this not Jared Leto's film debut? Oh, film debut. Um, Movie, big screen debut. Yeah, but of course he was in my so-called life. That's where we got to know his him from in the 1990s television show. Oh, really? For me, it was 30 Seconds to Mars. But Oh, no. Yes. So I, as long as what you, what you were going for, what gave us Jared Leto? No, he was in my so-called life opposite Claire Danes in the 1990s. Yeah, but who the hell watches that kind of it, it was It was it was a smash. If anybody was fans of Dawson's Creek or anything at that time, it was yeah. it was mega popular. Do you think I've ever seen a, a single episode of Dawson's Creek? And, um, I, and, and every every little bit of disgust in my voice was. I'll lend you my DVD collections. I'll, oh. I'll lend you my DVD collections. I've seen them, uh, the whole entire series multiple times. You, did you watch Seventh Heaven? Of course. I actually like that one, too. I'm I really joking. did. It's guilty pleasure. <laughs> I, I like Seventh Heaven. But yes, Jared Leto was in My So-Called Life. But back to Panic Room. Panic Room. Definitely one of the most high profile home invasion movies Probably sold a ton of security systems, 
they break into the house and there is a hidden sanctum, a panic room, which Jodie Foster locks herself in with Kristen Stewart. A very young Kristen Stewart plays Jodie Foster's little daughter Mm -hmm. in this film. She had to be like eight or nine years old during this movie. Very young. And basically they try to escape and there's this deadly game of cat and mouse it's really overcast like there for for a low budget horror movie. We should not have heavy hitters like Jodie Foster and Forrest Whitaker and, and Jared e- Leto, even frankly, <laughs> even Jared Leto or Kristen Stewart. Yeah, but I, I, but here I they was are thinking I was thinking about it because this was on my list as well. And I'll substitute one of my honorable mentions in there. But this film, which is really just a, a good little action home invasion movie, has three Oscar winning actors force whitaker's won an oscar jared leto's won an oscar jody foster's won two kristen stewart's been nominated it's like a heavy hitter of talent like you're saying and it's just a home invasion you know thriller kind of movie but yeah wow it really packs a punch it does it's 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 a little better because of the the talent involved i agree definitely a lot better because of the talent involved and what they go to break into the house for ends up being in the panic room so there's this, you know, this whole kind of, like you said, cat and mouse game. I, I enjoyed it. It's one of those where it's, a, I think, a well thought out thriller. It's, it, I've seen it numerous times. It's a great one to be coming across on cable and I'll stop. I'm like, all right, I'll finish Panic Room. It's good. Yeah, I think the first time I saw it was on a plane, but then uh, I've watched it several times. And it's a great movie. My number three pick came out in 2016. Write this one down, Jawheads, if you're ever looking for a film under 90 minutes, that's a damn good tight thriller. It's called Hush. And I know I have brought it up on Cinema Jaw before. It's directed by Mike Flanagan. His wife, Kate Siegel, is stars in it. She plays a deaf mute writer who is at home in an isolated house. Her friend has come over and talked to her and the friend leaves and an intruder comes in and Now we have this deaf woman by herself in the house with an intruder breaking in. And we get a lot of great, what I would call sight scares. And what I mean there is where you see the intruder behind her into the house and she can't hear him and realize that something's going on right behind her kind of moments. And they use sound to put you in her shoes, right? Yeah. The the, silence of it all. Yeah. So you don't, you, you can't, all of a sudden it's really quiet and you see the intruder. So there's a, Many great moments of that, but eventually she is able to fight back. Look at the runtime. It clocks in at 81 minutes. So this is like a long episode of television, you know, hour and 20 minutes. And it's just is what it is. It's a home invasion kind of movie. She fights back. It's done. End of movie. Netflix. Check it out, Matt. I'm a big fan of Batman. So anything named Hush. My next one is by Jordan Peele. And everybody knows exactly where I'm going, of course, already. Us. The 2019 follow-up to what I would call his masterpiece, Get Out. I don't think he's quite reached that high quite again. But Us came damn close, man. Damn close. Great, scary, spooky movie. There's a huge home invasion element to it because, I mean, honestly, this is kind of M. Night territory. Where you're... It's difficult to talk about this movie without giving stuff away. But I'll just say that there are two worlds that collide almost mirror images of of each other. There's a zombie feeling to it. There's a Twilight Zone feeling to it. There's some pretty serious violence in it that is really great. Elizabeth Moss 
plays two roles in this in this movie. She's great. The entire cast is amazing. George, uh, Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, everyone in this movie is great. But when they come, when the when the others come, a call in and they're like breaking into the house, there's some serious tension around a pair of scissors. That's mm-hmm. just great. I still love that opening scene, or not even opening, but once Lupita Nyong'o's character is in the living room and she has that voice the way she's talking it's just fantastic yeah that's uh the toward the end of the movie actually middle somewhere in there yeah it's a good one it's before the climax is it that's kind of what launches the third act my number two pick was panic room i'm going to substitute one in here heavy hitter could be matt's number one if it is just stop me right here i'm going with strangers no it is not my number one but the word stranger is in my number one we'll get to it so the strangers, uh, Liv Tyler, big horror film. And I think this was the one where I realized you shouldn't unlock your doors and watch a home invasion movie because <laughs> I was doing this for a long time. This was, yeah, was me and I did it. And, crazy. So, and so there was a lot of fun to watch these horror movies with the doors unlocked. This movie with Liv Tyler involves three people that come to a cabin and terrorize this couple really for no reason. There's no twist. It isn't, you know, some girl that she went to grade school with trying to get revenge. There's nothing there. It's just three demented people come to this cabin and terrorize this couple. One thing that I think makes this movie work so well is that the couple is about to get engaged when we meet them and they're coming home after the engagement didn't go through well. So obviously he asked her to marry her, marry him, and she did not say yes. And so we have that weird tension, you know, that the house was decorated to basically come back and have a nice romantic evening. And now they come back in and you can just imagine, you know, the balloon is deflated at this point. They don't even know where to go from here, but she didn't say yes to his question. And this roots the movie in a reality that all of a sudden we understand this couple. And now all of a sudden from there on in, it just turns into an home invasion horror movie. But in that first 10 minutes of understanding this couple, I think it, it, it roots us into a, a reality that we can grasp. And that just makes the, it just is able to understand it and then get the, the horror going so much faster and believable because we're in the moment, you know? Yeah. I it's, haven't seen it. It's, it's really well done. It's a great one. But again, that's actually one that scares me. If I'm watching it by myself, I do get creeped out because the, the horror is that these people just literally just pick the house and like, all right, this is the one we're going to do. Let's just go kill these people. <laughs> was this one made a sequel? This one was made a sequel. Yes. And not that the, the second one, the sequel was absolutely horrible. It, it was decent. Also it takes place like in a, uh, like a motel park. or something. It, it's like a, you know, like trailer park, uh, mobile homes, vacation kind of center. I also liked that one. It's not nearly as good as this one, but The Strangers with Liv Tyler. Big fan. My number two. All right. Well, that brings us around to our number ones. I'll get us started, Ryan. When you're talking about home invasion movies, I think it really all starts with the urban legend. And even if you haven't seen this film, even if you don't know this film exists, we've all heard the urban legend of the babysitter who gets a prank phone call. And the caller says, have you checked on the children? It's just like, you know, it just hangs up. 
The calls keep coming one after another. She calls the cops. And then eventually the cops trace the call. And the call is coming from inside the house, Ryan. <gasps> yes. it's This all happened on the big screen. <laughs> this This all happened. You know, I didn't remember that it's Carol Kane. It's freaking Carol Kane. 1979, When a Stranger Calls. I went ahead and rewatched the opening scene today. Almost, what is it? 40-something years later, right? 43 years later. It's still freaking scary. I know the whole thing. I know how it goes. I know how it ends. But watching Carol Kane act through this scene still got me it still got me i watched it today on youtube and i was pleasantly surprised at how terrifying it it holds up completely this one also got a uh, a sequel when a stranger calls back pretty decent pretty pretty damn decent i think it came out in like 1984 or 5 or something like that but i've this never was, seen these movies so oh man yeah this was like a, a staple on the horror shelf in the vhs rental store for me when a stranger calls is like a, a a dare, you know, sleepover rental when your parents weren't paying close attention to what you get. <laughs> or maybe it popped up on HBO. I don't remember, but I watched it late at night with friends and it, it's a great movie. So my number one pick is not your traditional home invasion. I tried to think a little bit outside of the box. I went with the Oscar winning film Parasite as my number one pick. 2019, not traditional home invasion, but we do have the Kim family who slowly takes over all the service jobs. We're talking like maid, tutor, driver for the wealthy Park family. So basically, they have invaded the home of the Parks. And there's another secret hidden in here once the basement door is open. And that is just another layer of parasite. And I was thinking of the home invasion Maybe, maybe the best scene is at one point when the Park family comes home, not knowing that the Kim family is, is at the house and been partying. And at one point, we got a character underneath the coffee table when some lovemaking happens and some one of the children's outside. And the, the dynamic that Bong Joon-ho was able to perform here, it, it's fantastic on multiple levels. And it's a movie about levels as well. So the whole thing is the reason why everybody's saying it's one of the best because it is parasite it won best picture i mean it's it really did. it's really difficult to say that that it's not a, a worthy number one so much fun love that movie my honorable mentions not brought up at all here was your next yeah which we just talked about not too long ago and once upon a time in hollywood mm. and i was thinking about really that wow. last home invasion with uh sharon tate you know uh, that that was an amazing scene. Crazy, amazing scene. Probably the best part of the movie, for being honest. Good one, Brian. Good picks. Jawheads, if we missed your favorite home invasion movie and you have Twitter pulled up, shoot us a tweet. We are at CinemaJaw. Our email is feedback at CinemaJaw.com. You can hit us up there as well. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, me and Matt have seen you people the new Eddie Murphy, Jonah Hill film. Plus, Matt is playing Jonah Hill movie trivia. Stick with us. Let's, let's, let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's, let, let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. 
To kick off Michelle Pfeiffer Month properly, why beat around the bush? Ryan and I have long admitted our bizarre fandom for Grease 2, and Michelle Pfeiffer singing about her perfect boyfriend, a cool rider, is no small part of that. Thanks. How about the day after tomorrow? Stephanie. Look, when are you going to get the picture? If you really want to know what I want in a guy, well, I'm looking for a dream on a meat machine with hell in his eyes. I want a devil that's getting tight leather. He's going to be wild as the wind when fine And we are back on Cinema Jaw. Matt, was that cool rider I just heard playing? Why are we such <laughs> such big fans of Grease too? I don't know, man. It, it just it got me at the right age. I, who knows? Who knows? But I am. I am. I, I am too. I know it's come up here on the Cinema Jaw before that me and Matt are fans of Grease too. That was the clip we played during the break. I've had this discussion with other people. Everybody's like, yeah, and then there's Grease too. And then I always got to sheepishly say, well, I'm a fan of Grease too. What? It, no one else is a fan of Grease too. Well, I can actually blame it. My sister listens to this podcast. And Jenny, if you're listening, here's your shout out. She got me into Grease too. I must have been like five or six, maybe seven or eight, somewhere in that neighborhood. And she just had the record and we watched the movie and all that. Totally inappropriate for me at the time. <laughs> well, good stuff. Two of the three Grease 2 fans in the world are right here on this podcast. Yeah, right. And the other one's listening. So <laughs> we're all here. <laughs> oh, good stuff. All right, Matt. When I hear that Jonah Hill, Eddie Murphy, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus are going to be in a movie together, I think comedy gold. Such is the case with the new Netflix movie, You People, a film about an interracial couple and how their families react to them being together. Matt and I put on our supreme hoodies and headed to the theater to check it out. Ezra, what are you up to these days? Got a girlfriend? No. But you don't like getting pushy? Hearing the word pussy come out of your mouth does make me question whether or not I like it. Back again, up in this I'm never going to meet a woman who understands me. I don't think I've heard of a man ever who wanted to be in a relationship so badly besides Drake. And I'm talking Views Drake. They hit it loud. I feel like Views Drake, alone on a building, dangling my legs off, wondering what it's like to feel companionship. What the fuck? What the fuck? What are you doing? But you're not getting five stars. Yeah, I'm an Uber driver. I mean, honestly, 
You guys are twins. Oh my God, wait, she really does look like me. I'm sorry, this was insane. Let me make it up to you. You're dating a black girl? I've never felt so understood by somebody in my entire life. Whether you like it or not, we kind of go together now. You're my boo, come on. I'm gonna ask her to marry me. Do you plan to? Talk to our family? Yeah, I just haven't had the chance to meet them. What's going on? Tell me about life. How are you? This is your white granddaddy come back to haunt me. What? Now this is my fault? <clears throat> so you want to marry my daughter? Yes. Yes, I do. Well, Ezra, you could try. I mentioned at the top, I was expecting comedy gold with the talented cast involved. And boy, was this far from it. Some of that is because the jokes fell flat and don't work. And some of it was because of the uneven tone the film presents. Sometimes the movie is joking about race and other times it's trying to say something more serious about the topic. The plot revolves around Jonah Hill's Ezra, who starts dating Amira, played by Laura London. He being Jewish and her being black is no issue with the couple themselves, yet both worry about introducing their new love to their parents. Her dad is played by Eddie Murphy. His mom is played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus. When the families finally get together, things get uncomfortable. I mean that for the characters on screen and for the audience. Part of why I felt uncomfortable was the jokes fell so flat at times I felt bad. Now, I don't want to rip this apart completely as there are a couple of highlights that we will get to. But I start by asking you, Matt Kay, did you enjoy you people at all? Well, first, I want to know what a Supreme hoodie is, because it doesn't sound good, especially in this context. <laughs> well, I love I love when I know a brand name that you don't. But go ahead and Google Supreme. It's it's street and skatewear, but you're not a, a big skater, you know, into the streetwear. I'm not into skate streetwear and I haven't been since like 1995. But and know this, I wouldn't have known it unless Supreme opened up a store here in Wicker Park right before the holidays. I didn't know what was going on, but it was like a mega opening. And it's one of these stores that literally had like a hundred people waiting to get inside the store because it was so crowded. They huh. couldn't keep people in there. And I was like, what is this? And it intrigued me. All right. So did I like you people? It, it has its moments, right? You people is not a total failure of a movie. I thought for the most part, the acting was pretty decent. I think the highlight here, I have to say, is Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I, I wish I could say it was Eddie Murphy because I was really rooting for, for a, a strong Eddie Murphy movie. But he's his character doesn't have enough of a, a believable arc. Where the movie really failed me is how abruptly it ends and how neatly the bow gets tied uh, onto it. It's It's worse than a Disney ending. It's so unbelievable in an otherwise pretty darn plausible movie. Like you can understand how things could get to the levels they get to in the movie. And there's some decent comedy. I think this is a, a fable we've heard before. It's it's guess who's coming to dinner. It's meet the parents. It just didn't necessarily ring as true here. And I, I'm not I think maybe in the hands of a better director. This is a first time director. And I'm not I'm not poo pooing on him necessarily, but Maybe the, the, the talent got away from him. I, I don't know exactly what's wrong with this, but there's something wrong. And I'm not a huge fan of the um, the, well, the cinematography. One, 
can I tell you one thing that I thought was wrong? Well, please, yes, do. So you, you can't have Jonah Hill and Eddie Murphy in the movie and have them both play the, the straight, straight characters. man. Yeah. You just can't have that. I mean, our expectations as an audience is to laugh with Jonah Hill and to laugh with Eddie Murphy. And then they both come in and they're both playing it so damn straight that neither of them are giving us a reason to laugh. And then that relies on the other characters to be the humor. Yeah. Right. And so there it was kind of upsetting, especially like Eddie Murphy to to us who are a little bit older. We look at the seeing Eddie Murphy still as a treat, right? All right. It's Eddie Murphy. Like you said, hope he's got something in him on this one. It's exciting. He had nothing to play. It was just, you could have had anybody almost play the, the role. I didn't think it was a meaty enough role for to warrant the talent of Eddie Murphy. Right. If he had, if he had like dropped, if he at one point had dropped the whole straight man routine and came out a little bit more like madcap and like off, off the, the deep end, I don't know. It would have been a lot better, but, but I agree. Expectations were soured. What did you think about the ending? Oh yeah. I'm a hundred percent with you. It felt to me as if they probably shot a different ending that was more complicated. Uh, It's screened and, they were like, you know what, let's just redo it and give like a Hollywood ending that makes absolutely Ugh. no sense, but it'll hopefully appease uh, the people. And they were far from it because I thought it was terrible. You're right. It's yeah. one of those that literally is like they just shoehorned it in. Yeah, I've heard of surprise parties, but this is something different, something different. So I mentioned the highlights. I wrote a couple down. See if you're you in, in step with me here, Matt. I thought a highlight was the opening of the film. We get these audio clips because... Jonah Hill's character, Ezra, has a podcast like we're doing here. And in the opening moments of the film, we get this hilarious dialogue talking about Barack Obama smoking Newport cigarettes and doing cocaine. <laughs> that was pretty funny. If that was the, the kind of like tone and like it was going to go this direction, humor all the way throughout. OK, I'm going to go along. I thought that had a chance and that was about all we got. David Duchovny singing at the piano. Highlight of the movie for me. Yeah. Can you beat it? No, tough to beat. Yeah. Hysterical. That that is when Jonah Hill uh, is introducing his girlfriend to his parents. And then you have Julia Louise Dreyfus singing in the car with Ezra's girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Also another great moment. She has many great moments throughout the film that, that are at least, you know, laughable and enjoyable. But the rest of the cast, I can't say. I, I I just didn't think they were. They had enough written form, I guess. Yeah, it was just kind of like, okay. Here's what I had written down for odd. Rhea Perlman. Yeah, what was she doing? That's what I want to know. I mean, I haven't seen her in so long. It was like a five minute reaction to realize is that Rhea Perlman and what is she doing in this movie? <laughs> I mean, she barely has a line. She's almost like an extra. <laughs> Yeah, it was nice to see her, though. That's a cameo, right? We call those cameos. I, but I mean, it was a strange cameo. I mean, she was playing a character. You know what I mean? It wasn't like she just appeared in the background for a second. She was playing a character that basically didn't have any lines. I don't know. Very strange. The basketball scene where Jonah Hill's good, but not great. Yeah. But that's it was where he odd. Starts, uh, yeah, it's odd. It's odd. It, it's just, he starts to earn the respect of uh, Eddie Murphy in that scene. It's a I know, moment. It's very strange. Um, and then, yeah, I had the ending uh, in, in which the parents have them meet back at the shoe store. I mean, the whole thing was very strange and odd. And like you said, tried to p- tie the bow on it way too neatly. It really did. 
it's it's not a total waste of time. It's not a total travesty. But I think especially if you're if you're trying to do something where you're there's a a, a real social social message in there, maybe could have done been done a little bit better. Yeah, especially with like I say, Jonah Hill and Eddie Murphy. I wanted it to you know it fine to have the social Louis message Dreyfus too yeah. but you gotta have some comedy in there and unfortunately for me i am not recommending this one one and a half jaws for ride the movie guy for you people one and a half jaws matt how about you i believe i went with two jaws on this one okay two two, two jaws. jaws yeah it is streaming on netflix i'm sure a lot of people are checking it out if you agree with us disagree let us know yeah we're at cinema john twitter I would love to hear from the jawheads on this one. Seriously, let us know. In honor of you people, we are going to play Jonah Hill movie trivia. It's stumped the Kabinsky five questions. He needs to get three or more correct to not be stumped. The last time I guess the jawheads heard from us, you owed me $20 that you said you would pay to me at the CIC party. Did not happen. So Matt still owes me $20. Oh, you should have reminded me. I would have gone and gotten the money, dude. I didn't remember. This is how bad Matt's memory is. You did remember, and you asked your wife, and she didn't have any cash, and I still didn't get paid. All right, here we go. Oh, that's right. Question number one Jonah Hill movie trivia. Name the film Jonah Hill directed in 2018. He directed a movie? Name the film. Oh, he directed that skate movie. He directed. Came out in 2018. Yeah, but it was called 1995. Incorrect. We were looking for mid 90s. Mid 90s. Well, that is the mid 90s. Is. I know. <laughs> but the title is mid 90s. Come on. One question in. Give me a half one, a point for that. One incorrect. No half points, my friend. Question two, Matt. Jonah Hill and Adam Sandler have made one film together. It came out in 2009. Name it. Was Jonah Hill in Pixels? That is incorrect. Not going good here on Jonah Hill. We're looking for funny people. Funny people. Uh, Hmm. Needs the next three correct to not be stumped. Matt, Jonah Hill has been nominated for Best Supporting Actor two times. Name both films. It's got to be Wolf of Wall Street. That is one. And I would say Moneyball. That is two. He is on the board. Correct with question number three. Question four. Jonah Hill was in the 2021 film, Don't Look Up. Name three actors from said film. Uh, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep. There you go. Right off the bat. Well done, Matt. Also would have accepted Kate Blanchett, Tyler Perry, Mark Rylance, and others. And everybody else in the movie. Yeah. I finally caught up with that one, by the way. Oh, it's a good one. It is. I liked it. Yeah. Wow. The drama here. Four questions in. Matt has two right. He needs this one. Are you ready, Matt? I am. In 2016, Jonah Hill played an arms dealer with Miles Teller in what film? dogs of war or war dogs final answer come on that's like it's either one of those two give, it's give war it dogs. To we'll give it to you war dogs. <laughs> dogs well done war. matt 
All right. So I'm he not gets stumped. Three out of five. No, he gets three out of five. He is not stumped. You won this week. Hey, I'll take a win. How yeah. often does that happen? No, very seldom Matt gets a win, but he's got one here. Good stuff. I should have bet before this one. Then I would have had a win in my pocket. Although I then know. you would never have given me dogs of war or war. I, oh, I think I was oh, going to yes. say war dogs, by the way. Well, man, good stuff. Brings us to the end of a jaw. Always an entertaining one. And first and foremost, we got to thank our sponsors here, Matt. Yes, the cracking the code of spy movies. If you're into spy movies and you're looking for a podcast about them, really, they're the best in the market. So go check them out. Cracking also, the code. We also want to thank our Patreons for supporting Cinema Jaw. If you'd like to join our family of Patreons, go to patreon.com slash Cinema Jaw. And uh, we would love to support. So hit us up there. The other way you can support the show is by leaving us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. And while you're at it, click subscribe. And, and speaking of Patreon, Ryan, I, I want to say this publicly to hold your feet to the fire. Creed 3 is coming up. And I want to watch all the Rocky movies leading up to Creed 3. I just think do we it. should do this. Do it. Do it, Matt. I think we we should do Ooh, this. Oh, we. Now I see why you're holding my feet to the fire. Yeah. We. 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 Why don't we do it on, on Patreon? It would be fun. What the hell? Can I think about it? You can think about it. You can think about it. We could do it's like a maybe lot this. of movies. It's it, a lot of movies. Eh, what the hell? You're the movie guy. Come on. How many movies is it? Like 13? Uh, 31. Get out of town. Hang on. I'm joking. I'm joking. But we'll we'll think about it, Matt. Until Something next week. About. I'm Ryan, the movie guy. And I'm Matt Kay. And, and keep, keep on John about, about the movies. movies.